This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, no wake for McPake as they go for McGee. And Harks has been heavenly for United. Hello, welcome to Twa Teams, latest edition. I'm Tom Duffy, podcasting as well today. I'm Ewan Smith. Hello. And Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. You'll have noticed there's no George Cran. That's because we've taken a leaf out of Dundee's book and sacked him. <laughs> no, George is on a long, long-arranged and well-deserved break. And he's, t- he's timed it perfectly, given the events at Dens. And that's what we'll get right into from the very start, boys. We're back doing this virtually, I can see out my window, there's a storm brewing. But enough of Dundee, let's talk about the weather. (laughs) No, let's talk about Dundee, a tumultuous 24-hour period. Uh, And things are still happening as we speak. James McPake's gone, Mark McGee and Simon Rusk. It's a fairly good appointment. (laughs) Older fans will get that one. Bear, what's going on? I could only be Dundee, Tom. I mean, that's... that. The last twenty four hours sums them up. Uh, it's quite quite incredible the the, way the, the 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 speed of events and the timing of everything. I think is the biggest thing you've got to say. Um, James McPake, if you go back over his three years at Dens Park, his, his time has definitely been what you would describe as a roller coaster. There's been there's been reasonable highs and there's been some very very lows, but he's come through those lows. And we spoke about it on last week's podcast. Yes. How after the Ross County game, you know, he it really did look like the writing could be on the wall for him at Dens Park. The, the situation the club found himself in, and he goes and gets a win. You know, at Tynecastle, no one would have expected that, and 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 actually, the way the team played as well, second half, they thoroughly merited getting three points at Tynecastle, and then the start of this week, Scottish Cup tie, a tricky a tricky one up at Peterhead. I've got to say. The first half, the more than road their luck, uh, wasn't a fantastic performance. It was a disaster waiting to happen that actually never happened. Yeah, you've got to say Peterhead actually ran them ragged in that first half, which was really surprising considering they're a League 2 team. But they got themselves through it, and in the end they got themselves through it quite comfortably. And and you think that, you know, that, all right, it wasn't brilliant, but they're in the last, the last eight. You know, they've got a nice home tie against Rangers, which will be difficult, but it's a money spinner for them. They can turn their thoughts now to trying to get themselves off the foot of the table and use those two wins as a springboard. And then, you know, before you know it, James McBake, you know, he's, he's been sacked and Mark McGee has been appointed as manager this morning, um, as you've just said, Tom. And it's, it's, it's quite amazing. I think it's the timing of everything, you know, that, that surprises me. You get, you get a feeling that, after that Ross County game, that John Nelms and whoever he speaks to on the board came to a, a swift decision then, whether it was Gordon Strachan who was, has influenced that decision, um, that, that James McPake's time was up and they would be better looking for another manager. Um, it's probably no surprise. There were names getting bandied about, Jack Ross, etc. Jim, I mean, sorry, not Jim Goodwin, uh, you know, and a few others, but uh, when I, when he heard Mark McGee, there had been a, a quite a substantial number of hefty bets placed on Mark McGee yesterday. You know, the bookies are normally pretty close to the facts, and there is a, a you know a quite a close alliance between Mark McGee and Gordon Strachan. Yes, that was no surprise when when you know his name did sort of come up and he was announced as boss. The surprising thing for me is where we're at. I mean, obviously we're all still in a bit of a state of a sh- state of shock at this point in time. The first thing is Mark McGee has, as I believe, a six-game touchline ban hanging over his head. Is that is that correct? Is it six games? Um, yeah, six yeah. games, I believe. I now, results from a 7-2 defeat at Aberdeen as Motherwell boss on uh, in February 2017. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dundee only have a dozen games, a dozen games left, and as good as Mark McGee is, he's going to spend half that time in the stand. Now, Simon Rusk, who I believe is going to be his assistant, but Dave with Dave Mackay are going to have to get that his message across, which is always difficult. I always feel that when your manager's in the stand, it's not a good thing. But they're going to have to, they've obviously spoken about that and they're going to have to get over that. Secondly, it, the contracts are until the end of the season. Now, 
I'm unsure about that. I think it's a good one for Dundee if they are relegated and for Mark McGee that he is allowed to leave. But if if that should be the case, but it's, surely it's not a good a, a good way for a club to operate. A short term, you're you're asking this guy just to come in and and be a miracle worker effectively and get them hopefully into tenth place. Which if he does that, he would be a miracle worker. Yeah, and now if he does that, does he stay on? Do the, do, they're in a position where they're going to have to offer him a contract Well, he still want to take the job on but if he leaves then they're going to have to start all over again and bring somebody in who's going to have to get to know the players for a, for a, a, a push probably a championship push next season you know so it's a real funny one Tom I'm still trying to get my, my head, head around it um, and you know I'm, I, I'm sorry to see James McPake go but I think he was at that period the three years this three year reign I always think it's a, it's a, it's, it's a difficult time for a manager I always think your first year season, you're normally given the benefit of the doubt. The second season, you show what you can do. The third season, either you move on to better things or, unfortunately for, for a lot of them, you're showing the door. And unfortunately for James McPake, that was the case. And we'll speak about James McPake a wee bit later, but I'm still I'm still actually a wee bit shocked with the, the, the course of events over the last 24 hours, Tom. Yeah, well, actually, let's speak about James McPake right now. It's bare said. It's, it's fair. It's, it's, a, it's a well-worn phrase, but it's fair to say that his time as manager has been a roller coaster ride. And a lot of fans wanted rid of him a while ago. And there have been periods during his management when you would say he was probably teetering on the brink. But now, now didn't. And I would say, pro, if they if they didn't stay up, the end of the season would be another one of those periods. The turn of the year was one of those periods. But after being allowed to sign players in the January window... The timing's completely bizarre. I mean, if it had happened three three weeks ago, maybe something like that, I think we would have been more understanding. I'd still have been shocked at the, the appointment of Mark McGee at that point, but the timing of the departure of James McPake wouldn't have been as much of a surprise. But, I mean, they've gone and won at Tynecastle, <laughs> which, I mean, Hart, I know Hearts have been on a tricky spell themselves, but they have been a very good side this season. You know, that's not a no mean feat to go down to Tynecastle and, and come away with a win. Um, they, they got through in the tricky tie against Peterhead and as Bear's point out, he's, he's, and your point now, he's been in the transfer window, he's been allowed to spend money, he's been allowed to strengthen. I mean, I'm not really understanding what Dundee are expecting to happen here. I mean, Dundee this season, is it's all about survival. And I still believe that James McPake had a fighting chance of keeping Dundee up, whether that was... Um, scraping into the playoffs and then getting up for the playoffs. I mean, last season, Dundee, at this point in the season, we didn't expect them to to be playing in the top flight. I mean, they weren't they weren't like firing on all cylinders last season in the championship. At this point in the season, they then went on a run. They then got out into the playoffs and they did fantastically well. And he he proved himself during the playoff period as being a manager that was able to motivate his players for big games. You know, at Kilmarnock, both games in Kilmarnock, so. I quite like James McPake. Um, he comes across to me as somebody who's fairly honest in all his interviews. Um, I know he's been um, he's been very open with the local media. He's been, and I think it's pretty obvious to any Dundee fan that he's committed to the club. But I do understand why results weren't going away their way, and there's been some bizarre results. You know, the the home defeat at Ross County has been the, been a very bad result. I do understand why some Dundee fans wanted a change, but is this the change they wanted? I don't know. Oh, I think you do. Yeah, I think some. I think having read, read some comments online since, um, and and it is important that we, we let Mark McGee get off to um, a clean start, and and you know he's got a lot of experience, and we have to you know he's been a manager for a long, long time, and he's operated at the top level. But I think some of the comments that I've read so far have suggested that some people would actually want McPake back in charge now. So um, that's not a great start for the new manager when. The, the fans are, some fans are calling for the old manager to come back just after he's been sacked. Yeah, Bear, I think, I think is, it, is it a case, circumstances elsewhere, namely Hibbs getting rid of Jack Ross, who Dundee had tried for before, and rumours have it they maybe tried for this time as well and he wasn't interested. Dundee fans had an expectation uh, that it would be one of the current crop of, if, for want of a better phrase, in vogue managers, and no offence to Mark McGee, but he's he's very much the veteran, which is maybe what they need. You never know, but uh, there's no way of sugarcoating this. The fans are not 
jumping up and down with excitement. I think if you're going to be changing your manager, and you've got to look at your boardroom, you've got to look at your owners, you've got to have a, a substantial plan in place. And I, th- I think they've got to this plan. I think, I mean, obviously the way the way things happened very quickly, they obviously had Mark McGee lined up to come in. Whether they've, 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 they've pushed the boat to try and get Jack Ross in or not, we don't really know. Um, our understanding is that, he, you know, he might have been spoken to, but he is in the frame for the Aberdeen job. And, uh, you know, you would you would think um, that might at this point in time be more attractive to, attractive to him than a, a position at Dens. But, yeah, I can understand where the fans are coming from on Martin McGee, but it's, it's a bit of a change away from where the board normally go with managers. In, in general, the boards are, have looked at rookie bosses. You know, they've, they've gone with, with young managers, Paul Hartley. Yeah. You know, they've gone with Neil McCann. They've gone with James McPeak. Jim McIntyre came in and tried to do a similar job. I'm looking at Jim McIntyre coming and trying to do a salvage job for Dundee and you know it, it didn't work out then so what gives them the impression that Mark McGee can really do it now although we see that you know Dundee are, are still on a fighting chance of either you know getting to getting to 10th would be ideal but even finishing 11th and having a go at the playoffs and giving yourself a chance yeah. you know so if Mark McGee can do that with his experience just to get them over the line, then I'm sure the Dundee fans' thoughts on him will change. He is a, a vastly, vastly experienced manager. He is a vastly experienced... He might not be everybody's cup of tea, but do you really want your manager to be everybody's cup of tea? No, you don't. Um, so we'll see, we'll see where it goes. If I could just say on James McPake and on his, on his time at, at, at Dens, you know, I, 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 I think, you know, it was a roller coaster ride and I was I was one of, as a, as on here I've been a critic of him I've been a critic of him as a supporter but I was also a fan of his for the passion he showed in the job I was a fan of, fan of his as as a player and as a fan you want you want these guys to do well you didn't want them to get the sack and I felt a bit of sadness yesterday when I heard he lost his job um, one because at the end it, yeah. Absolutely, Tom. He had a real passion for the club and for the fans, and he understood that the hard times the the, the club had endured over over the years, um, how, they, how they'd been in the shadow of their neighbours for a long time, which which was hurtful, um, you know. And I think sometimes that that passion, you know, it was good to take into management, but I think that might have been a hindrance for him as well at times because I think he really, really suffered in the defeats. You could see that in the way, as you say, you and he was, he was incredibly honest at times. You know, mm-hmm. and after match interview, which is good for us, but maybe, maybe not so. Good, maybe more experienced manager would be able to sort of blank out a, a couple of these tough, tough questions and not take it so hard. And I think you've got to remember, he's a young man with a young family, and he's now going to be looking for a job. So you've got to put that in a, in a perspective as well. But you've got to give him. I think you've got to give him huge, huge credit for you know getting them out yeah. of that. I've got to I feel mean, for him getting them out of that championship. Uh, you know, and that was the only opportunity he had to get them out of the championship. But I'd just like to point out that the first season. When they were when they were in the championship, they'd actually turned the corner a wee bit. They'd brought in Christoph Berra, and things had started looking a lot tighter at the back. And they still gone on a, a quite a decent run when when the league was called effectively. And Hearts went Hearts were were promoted or or sorry Dundee United wasn't a bit big, big, big change that. But uh, can't bring himself to say it, Ewan. No, I, I was I was sticking in the throat there. I was sticking in the throat a wee bit. I've got to say, but you know, it's second season. They were they were struggling, but he got himself into a system um, where the, the team were able to grind out wins, start picking up points, stop losing goals, and then culminated in the two uh, playoff victories against Kilmarnock, thoroughly deserved. And, and his biggest regret, well, not his biggest regret, but my biggest regret for him is that the fans were, although there were a few in the stadium, you in the fans weren't allowed to be there because that would have been a real, real sense of achievement. That, those would have been great nights at Dens. I'm sure there would have been a big fall in at Rugby Park as well that they could have all celebrated and he never really got to experience that. In terms of players, he played his part in bringing in boys that, that, that sort of got them promotion. I mean, guys like, I think, the signing of Lee Ashcroft, the signing of Paul McMullen, Charlie Adam, obviously, coming in this season. Yeah, I was well. Also, Bear, I was going. To, I was going to say. To, I thought. Um, I, I thought the state. The statement. It was nice. They were nice to him. But when they started using words like legacy, and maybe I'm speaking as an older Dundee fan, I thought I got. I got. I got a bit too too gushing. But but if they wanted to use the word legacy, to me, it's. 
They said, oh, he got Dundee up after only two years down. Well, mm. as Jockey Scott once said to me, if you're Dundee manager in the first division, it doesn't matter if you've got a penny yeah. or, or or not got a penny, rather. Success is promotion. Everything else is, familiar, is failure. And and that's true. And that's how the fans look on it. Uh, I remember Davy Farrell, Alec Reyes' assistant, said that to me as well. He said, we didn't realise the expectation at a club like Dundee. We looked at our budget and said, we're sickened in the second tier, we're actually doing better than we we expected. But that doesn't wash with the fans, it doesn't wash with the club, and and rightly so. But for me, James McPake, what what he really leaves behind is he's a few of the the Max Andersons, the Finn Robertsons, hopefully, a few other ones we've seen on the bench and coming on and playing a bit, wee bit parts here and there this year. He He was youth coach for a few years. He's developed a lot of good young talent that hopefully will will bear fruit for the club uh, in seasons to come. Uh, I must admit, uh, from a purely football point of view, I can understand uh, why why he's lost his job. As we've already said, I don't understand the timing. But, I mean, trying to look ahead, how big a thing is this six-game ban for Mark McGee? It does make me wonder, I mean, I know they'll, they'll have done their due diligence, you would hope. Um, it does make me wonder, though, if they had actually realised that this was coming when they when they approached them, you know, or if this is just something that's, that's sprung upon them during the course of the appointment, because it's not ideal, is it? It's really- you, and, you and surely, don't even go there, surely to God, they must have known about that. I mean, you're right, due diligence has got to take place, and they were aware of that. I've got to, yeah. <laughs> Surely, yeah. Fair, fair enough. They'll be aware. They'll be aware of it. But I was just going to say, sorry to be the stick in the mud, mud here. But if you remember back to Jim McIntyre's appointment, they didn't seem to know about the fans' feelings towards Billy Dodds, and that scuppered his. Billy Dodds was actually at Dens, ready to take training, and had to go back up the road to his house in Inverness because the fans went mad after. Uh, which I, I didn't agree with the fans. I'll put that out there right away, but. But Dundee were totally taken aware that there was an issue between Billy Dodds and Dundee fans. So it's a legitimate question. Let's let's give them credit. They put, possibly they did know about that, and and, and it's been brought up, and it's been, and it will have been discussed. Let's let's say it'll have been discussed. What's going to be the issue? If we look on it for, on a positive point of view, I wonder if Mark McGee is the kind of manager who can sit in the stand and can observe the team and can see where there are things to go. I mean, I watch. I'm not trying to bring a broth into this, but I do watch that Dick Campbell very often chooses to sit in the sidelines when he's not banned from the touchline and watches the, the game from a different angle. So some managers can do that. But the situation that Dundee are in, um, I think that they probably need somebody down there on the touchline that's a motivator, that's somebody that can 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 make instant changes, reactive changes while he's right in the touchline. And I know they can use technology and they can do all these things, but it makes the job a lot more difficult, a lot more challenging. And given the fact that this is a short-term appointment initially, um, it doesn't leave him in a, with an awful lot of time at the other end to, to really get things together if it's not working from being in the stand. Um, and on that point, I'm looking at another positive... Oh, well, if you've got positivity, let's hear it. Well, I'm, try- I'm trying to put positive... I mean, we, we pointed out the fact that the, the relationship between Gordon Strachan and Mark McGee is... is, is it's watertight. I mean, they, they've they've been friends since they played together at Aberdeen. You know, they they came through. They they, they were a part of a, a fantastic Aberdeen side that was dominating Scottish football alongside Dundee United at that era. Yeah. Um. They've they've known each other for a, a long, long time. Um. And and they've also been together with Scotland. Worked worked together well yeah, for Scotland. Yeah. They've been they've linked yeah. up to with Scotland. Mm. Um. I think. Um. I mean, it's been absolutely clear. I think when Strachan was manager at Celtic and. You know, um, and McGee was operating in Scotland. You know, there was always a mutual respect when they played against it. So they know each other really well. They're highly experienced. Gordon Strachan knows the game inside out. He's got a lot of contacts. Mark McGee, I dare say, has got a lot of contacts down south. However, those contacts are not really going to come into play in terms of transfers between now and the end of the season. He's not going to be able to bring players in unless they are free transfers. So it's really experienced that Dundee are going for, and they made that clear in their statement. They were looking for, they, they made, there was a line um, pointing out the fact they were looking for a more experienced manager. So they've gone the polar opposite from James McPake, who's still a young manager who's done well, you could say, by winning a title and he's learning his trade, but he's made mistakes. And they've gone for somebody who's got 
a wealth of experience, albeit the recent experience isn't he hasn't he hasn't been managing regularly recently at the top level. So that's again where maybe Dundee supporters are looking at this and thinking, is this the right appointment? Yeah, and bear, I mean, that begs another question, and no disrespect to Mark McGee whatsoever, because he is vastly experienced and he is, he's he's worked with big players and big clubs. But so's Gordon Strachan. I mean, if you were, and particularly if they're not sure if it's going to go beyond the end of the season, you can be John Nelms just out there. Would you not have said to Strachan, you take it on. I think that that question might have been asked, Tom. I think that might have been put to Gordon Strachan, but I think I think Gordon Strachan is just not for going back into the, into the dugout. And you've got to respect that, you know. And he's probably got the next best thing and a very close ally of his in, in Mark McGee. And I'm sure over the next few days they will be, you know, consulting very very closely on the way the team should set up, the players who should be involved, and how they go about. They've obviously got a big game on on Sunday at Celtic Park, which is undeniably it would be it would be a major surprise if they were to take anything from that game. But what they've got to take from it is a wee bit of confidence. They can't go there and take an absolute doing time. You know, so that they've got to get their team set up with, with in the right sort of way that makes it difficult for Celtic but also means it yeah. allows them opportunities to get up the park. And Dundee have found that very difficult at Celtic Park in the past. But I suppose we should say well done to Mark McGee for coming in. He's taking training uh, right away. Uh, he was probably on the training training pitch when he was officially announced. In fact, a lot of managers would have said, "I'll wait till Monday when they saw who they were playing this Sunday." Yeah, I thought that as well. I thought I thought it was going to be one of those. But I think he's he's obviously keen. And as a bit thing, we're at the stage now where two or three days on the training ground is is, is more important probably than than getting a sore one on Sunday at Celtic Park. And and you know, the time next week they've got a massive week. They've got St Mirren at, at, at Dens, I think, on Wednesday and Livingston at Dens on Saturday. And the outcome of those two games and how many points they collect could determine on what they are actually looking at towards the end of the season, whether it is a, a straight battle for 11th place or whether they really have got some hope of scrambling back into the pack and, and you know, maybe even getting themselves up you know, up the, up the table a wee bit. But uh, it's a massive week. And I think, you know, getting Matt McGee on the training ground today and getting his ideas over tomorrow you know, as as well will be vital in, in how they go forward. And he'll he'll get a good look at the players himself. Um because looking at them on Monday, we'll go back to James McPake's final game, which was I've got to say he must be the last only Dundee manager I can think of in recent times who's been sacked after winning his final two games in charge. That's that's a start for you, you to dig into somewhere down the line. But uh I've got to say they did look exposed at times on Monday. They did look like they looked a wee bit like the the, the team that you didn't want to see from James McPake. You, you wonder how they were set up like that, how a League Two say like Peterhead can find so much space and attack them continually. It looked like the team didn't really know what was going on, you know. And then, but you, you you go back to that game against Hearts the previous week when in the second half they were outstanding. They had a bit of shape about them. They got the ball in the midfield. They got up the park. They got numbers into the box. They got goals. So, you know, I, I don't really know. I think the big big problem James McPake had. Um, just it's that James McPake's problem though, Bear, that he, he had yeah. he had those games yeah. where you had nothing but admiration for his tactical nouse, and you had other games where, uh, and and again, I'm not being nasty, but you had other games like Monday night, the first half on Monday night at Peterhead. Oh yeah, I was watching it on TV, thinking you're very lucky you're not playing a Premier League team because you've got this wrong. I, you know what? I think he flirted with systems. He never ever he was never one of these managers where you could go. James McPake's a four-four-two manager. You know, James McPake as a three-five-two man or, yeah. or, or, or a four-three-three. He he changed. He changed continually. You know the the way the team was set up, and I think he maybe overthought it at times. You know, that's coming from me. I'm not no no manager, so you know, I'm just I'm just purely sort of guessing here. But the, the team never ever went out. You know, with, uh, on a regular basis with the same sort of formation. And I always think if you're changing your formation, if it works good for you, and it will work now and again, we saw that with Dundee, but at other times, it looked as if the players didn't have a, a clue what was going on to and where they should be playing. And the instruction never got across. And that, that's why Dundee looked at sixes and sevens at times in certain games. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it's come, come back to haunt them, unfortunately. By the way, your point about yeah. Dundee managers getting sacked Go after on. winning winning <laughs> a game. <laughs> Jim McIntyre, <laughs> uh, John McCormack, oh, I that, and Jockey yeah. Scott Gordon. 
and got yeah, them put yeah. after having their most successful season in year, <laughs> their most successful two seasons in year. So it's it's maybe a it's maybe a warning to Mark McGee. Don't win two in a row. But you know the other thing, because you are our Mister Positivity as well as the stat man. One thing looking at Mark McGee's uh, managerial record, he seems to have done his best clubs, Millwall, Reading, Motherwell in his first spell there, seem to be more when there were others in his league with more resources. He seems to have, uh, he foundered a bit at Aberdeen when he would have had a bigger budget. He moved on, um, I'm trying to remember where he moved on because it's 20 years ago. His worst times were when big, big things were expected. His, his, his best achievements do seem to have been come when he was, up against it in terms of you know the, the size of the clubs around him. Yeah, well, one thing you can say about it, he's gone. He's gone into the job with his eyes wide open. I mean, the task is quite simple for him. Between now and the end of the season, he's got to keep Dundee up in the top flight. There's not. There's there's enough. If he keeps them up, then his job has been successful. Yeah, I mean that that's that's the bottom line, isn't it? I mean, as, as a supporter, I think you would accept that at this stage as well. Bear, wouldn't you? If if Mark McGee keeps Dundee in the top flight next season, then Mark McGee's Term, even if it comes to an end at the end of the season where he's done that, it's been successful. Absolutely. If he doesn't, yeah, yeah. then can't say it's been totally unsuccessful, depending on how it goes. I mean, it's not obviously the remit is to keep them up, but if they just scrape by and they miss out, then well, he started it. He started at a very low base and he's had to work his way up. You know, so it's difficult. So you'll go and he's, he's an experienced manager. You'll know that he's not daft. Um, your point about resources, I don't know how valid that is at this point because he's not even able to operate in the transfer market. So that's already been done. You know, the transfers have been done, so he's not he can't spend any money at this stage. Um but if he can motivate the players, if he can um get that dressing room together, he can put a team together that's that's difficult to beat, which is what they're gonna have to be at, at this stage, and he can get through the results, then he can be successful as Dundee manager. He can draw upon I mean I'm point I pointed out earlier that some of his recent experience hasn't been at the top level, but he has operated at very good levels in English football in the past. He has been to playoff finals down um I, I went to a playoff final he was Brighton Hove manager um down in the Millennium Stadium. He was I he has operated at a high level, he was at one stage in English football. He was highly regarded as a manager that could move between club to club and do a job down there. So it's not we're not on here saying that Mark McGee can't manage a football club. He can manage a football club. Yeah. All I'm saying is it's an unexpected appointment, and the timing of it makes it difficult for him as well as it makes it difficult for the supporters because he's not given an opportunity to to shape the team he wants. Yeah. He's working with the players that are already there. He's working with James, James McPake's resources and they may well be good enough to, to keep Dundee in the league, but he's not able to to put his own imprint on that on that team. Yeah. Can I just say you and just on your point about uh, going back a wee bit to Dick Campbell, you know, do, doing a job from the stand at times at Gayfield. I've got to say any games I've watched at Gayfield when Dick's been in the stand, he's been well within earshot of, of the players on the park you know, he's certainly been able to get his message across from the stand at Gayfield that was maybe a bit more difficult to dance for Mark McGee. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the case if he was sitting in the back row at Hamden. That's a good point. I, I mean, I've, I was down at Palmerston earlier this season and I was sitting a few rows behind. Um, Dick, I was actually down just watching him as a supporter. And yeah, his voice was loud and clear. He was making his point. He was the other side of the the stadium from the actual dugout, but he was making his point loud and clear. So there was probably instructions coming from his brother Pink and maybe Dick was drowning out those instructions for the other <laughs> side. So yeah, it's maybe it's maybe not as simple to do, but but it is. Yeah. I think we're seeing it increasingly. There are more and more managers who will take the option to go and sit in the stand. So it's not no. unusual. It's, it probably was unusual maybe 10, 15 years ago. If you remember, the more experienced the more experience he, right, he got, yeah. Watersmith, uh, in his second spell at Rangers, used to spend most games he did the first 45 minutes. I remember um, I, I remember United, somebody in the office at United, bizarrely, Walter wanted a seat in the stand at Tannadice, uh, which he only used in the first half, and Craig Levine was serving a one-match ban. So, so bizarrely, somebody who possibly didn't have a great sort of knowledge of football put them in adjacent seats. And after a few days after the game, Craig Levine told us the story. Said it was amazing sitting next to Walter because he just seemed to want to chat. 
and, and Craig's like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work out how to try to stop this Rangers player and that Rangers player. And what is going? How's the wife? How's the kid? How's the how's the how's the kids? And blah 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 blah. And Craig's like, it's Walter Smith. You're not going to say Walter could just shut up while I do my job. So so Craig was like, it was it was unbelievable. He was just speaking away and then go, oh, that's not so good, is it? I mean, bear bear, you played it. You played it at a reasonable level. What what's more important, a manager? In training or a manager in the dugout? No, a manager, a manager in the dugout, Tam, is is more is more important for for me. I think you look to your manager on the sidelines. When when a player's doing something wrong, he gets that message across instantly that he's not happy. If the referee makes it makes a, a wrong call, he gets that across instantly, and he has that, you know, a strength of character. You know, they are that, that players instantly realise they've got to up their game. Now you'll not get that in the stand. I think there's a benefit for Mark McGee maybe being in the stand initially that you will see, you will get a better idea how Dundee well where are we going wrong here. And, and certainly at Celtic Park on on Sunday, yeah. you know, you you probably see maybe it's not a, a a good game in terms that Dundee will effectively be on the back foot for ninety minutes, but you'll get an idea of the shape and. And people that are doing things maybe what they shouldn't be doing and exposing, leaving themselves exposed. So that's good in that, in that perspective. But I always think you're, you're much better with a manager. Understand? I've, I've done their playing a team, you know, and and their manager, you know, like Robbie Nielsen. If he's in the stand, I always think that's a, that, that's a plus for Dundee. You know, I, you know, if Dick Campbell was in the stand, I think that would be a plus for Dundee. You know, you know, I've, I've just because players players look sometimes to their manager for inspiration, for a kick up the backside for a bit of direction and what they're doing, for making instant calls in terms of substitutions and things like that, you know, for getting on, on the referee and the referee going, well, maybe I did get that decision wrong because he's had a go at me, you know, and you get a, you get a break the next decision. But... Um, yeah, I do know actually, the casting way back as well, Jim McLean, in his many years at Dundee United, his his frequent times in the stand were almost always bans. But I remember players like Morris Malpass, I remember Morris Malpass specifically telling me, Jim McLean actually had drilled it into them in training that they had to be versatile because if he saw something from the dugout in the first 10 yeah. minutes, he would change things. And that was his thing with his players. You have to be ready for me saying, well, I've got this wrong, we need to change. Yeah. There's a delay if the manager's in the stand. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Tom. Just going back to that, sorry, Ian, just going back to that, you would never have seen Jim McLean in the stand watching a game if he wasn't forced to be in the stand. Same with Alec Ferguson. They were in the dugout because they knew if something was wrong, they were out that dugout and right up to the touchline and barking, barking at their team mm-hmm. and got an instant yeah. hit on the back of that. You, you can't do that when you're in the stand, you know? Let me say as well, the, the, the difference between what we're talking about with Mark McGee and Dick Campbell, for instance, is that Dick Campbell, is, it's, a, it's a choice that Dick Campbell's making and Dick Campbell at any point, and I've seen him do this on numerous occasions, can decide he's changed his mind and he needs to be in that dugout. And the yeah. minute he gets in that dugout, then you can see, well, as you're pointing out, you can see an instant reaction from the players because the players are thinking, why is Dick in the dugout? What's happening? Yeah. Am I getting substituted here? What's happening? And 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 it does, and he does pick the, like you say, key moments of the game. If it's not working, Dick Campbell's in the dugout. So Mark McGee won't have that option for those six games. He, yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think too from the times I've seen his his clubs. Mark, I think Mark McGee is a he is a touchline manager, isn't he? I think so. I think so. But I mean, he's always. Uh, I used. To, he was always getting into bother with the referees as as he's paying for now as we can see but uh, (laughs) yes because in fairness to him I should point out that he's he's banned for six games but he was actually he was banned for five games for his last defence in that game at Aberdeen when he was Motherwell boss but there was a suspended one game uh, ban from the previous season still hanging over his head so that's why he's banned for six he didn't get six in one go he got he got five and then had, he'll have to serve the sixth one because that was a suspended sentence so it's not that bad and hey one thing one thing about a six game ban uh, apparently it was uh, it was for comments to the fourth official it shows he's he's a passionate man yeah, and that, that's a good thing as well. You know, it's, it's, if he can bring, he needs to bring out a passion to the training ground right now. And like you were pointing out earlier, it is a good thing. He's just, he's rolled up his sleeves and he's got to work today. He's not waited. He's not, because Dundee are not in a position where they can wait now. You know, they've made a decision, albeit we're shocked at the timing, 
But Dundee, the last thing Dundee could have had was a decision they'd made and then they're hanging over for three, four weeks of uncertainty of who the next manager's going to be. Dundee had to, if they were making a decision for James McPay to go, they had to move very quickly to get someone in place because they couldn't afford to wait. So that's good. And it is good that Mark McGee has got straight to work today. He's rolled his sleeves up. So he needs to bring that passion to the training ground. I'm sure he will bring that passion to the training ground. As we are pointing out, it may be difficult over the next few weeks. We don't know how his assistants will do. I mean, you know, they they may bring that bring that passion with the touchline, and he but he he brings the the overview when he's looking from the stands. But it's time is of the essence for Dundee now. Um, they need to get it right, and he needs to get it right very quickly for Dundee to to achieve their goal, which is staying in the the top flight. Yeah, and Bear, to end this on a, a positive note as well, given given his career, because he was a hell of a player, Mark McGee, given the, the length of his managerial career, I would not imagine for a minute that he needs to work. So you, you get you, you do get a wee feeling that he feels he has some some unfinished business, some still to prove up here. Yeah, but well, as I spoke to him a few years back, Tom, in my uh, capacity as sports editor, I'd gone to an event uh, at the Keir Hall and he was at, at the table. And I asked him, because he had been linked with Dundee. Never got invited. Yeah, you never got invited. Only the good lads have got to go. <laughs> Only those in the know. You're the troublemaker. <laughs> um, yeah, so I actually asked him, I asked him if, you know, if he, was, if he considered getting back in, you know, to the game up here. And, you know, at the, at the time, he, ha- he has a young family, Mark McGee, or a youngish family, shall we say. And I think his young lad was only about 10 or 11 at the time, and he was enjoying spending spending time with him. You know, he, he, obviously throughout his career, he's, he's maybe had, times when he's, he's maybe not neglected his family, but the football's taken sort of, you know, first first choice. But uh, at that point, he never looked as though he, he wanted to come back in. But things changed over a couple of, obviously, obviously in the last few years. And the hunger is still there. And if he's got that, if he has got that hunger, it can only be good for Dundee, you know. Yeah. Now, in fairness, I suppose, I made the point, why not Gordon Strachan? In fairness to Gordon Strachan, and I, I was there the day he was appointed to his role with the youths, uh, overseeing the youths at Dens. And I did get a feeling, he didn't rule out not coming back uh, to frontline management, but you just got a feeling that he felt this was the direction he wanted to go in for the rest of his career. And like I say, in fairness to him, if he does not have that hunger to be in the dugout, the worst thing he could do is say yes, if Dundee did say, do you want to take it for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, you've got to remember, there's a good chance when you go into that dugout, it's, it's not going to be all roses and I'm sure they're all aware of that they're thick-skinned enough to, to appreciate it and especially at Dundee in the relegation battle it could very quickly turn sour No. so you know Mark McGee's got to weigh things up and you know take it on the chin he's old enough Tom and wise enough to know what's at stake and what might happen but the, the flip side is and the, the flip side is you know he could he could very quickly become you know yeah he's going to get an, I mean, a hero as such if you, if you could call it a hero, if you can get them out the, out the mire they're in and get them in a position of, of safety and get them, as I said in, in their, their statement, keep their premiership status, which yeah. is so, so important. I think, it's, and I'm not going sort of, to sort of diminish what James McPake did last season, but I think, you know, it's it's easier to get relegated from the Premier League than, it, well, I'm... I'm, I'm Saying that James, what James McPeak did last season was a greater achievement, but that's where Dundee could find themselves again, Tom. It's harder to get out of the championship, you know, than it is to stay in the premiership. So that's why it's important that they dig deep over yeah. this next sort of two or three months and mm-hmm. keep themselves in there. Well, time will tell. After this, we're heading to the relative calm of Dundee United. Right, boys. A few weeks ago, you might have thought that it was. Tam Courts that was under pressure, but he's in his quiet way. He seems to have steadied that ship admirably. Ewan, it's amazing how quickly football can change, can't it? I mean, I, w- I was going along to that Motherwell game last last week, um, and thinking before the game, uh, we, we pointed us out. Had Dundee United lost and other teams below them got results, they could have been ninth at the end of the night and they ended up in fourth place after a very comfortable two 0 win over Motherwell, and then. They followed that up with a very, very tricky tie to Partick Thistle at the weekend. I mean, I think I think you'll have seen the pitch. Um, 
<laughs> it's a, it was um, it was a flashback to the flashback to the the nineteen eighties and the nineteen seventies nineteen eighties when they just played in the pitch regardless of what state it was in. But it really was a poor poor surface, um, and I think Partick have got their work cut out with that. I think the their ground sharing at the moment, the deluge of rain in the morning didn't help matters. Um, but fair play to both sides, they did try as they could to play football, but clearly it was a day for for battling and for grinding out a result and Dun United did that. They came under a bit of pressure from Party Fissle. Um uh, Ian McCall after the game said that they his side were miles better than Dun United. I think that's a slight exaggeration, but he does have an argument to suggest that they had more chances. Um it <laughs> he does have an argument to suggest they had more chances and Dun United had to battle out a result. But they they showed a side to their game which is important going forward because they've had plaudits for some of the football that they have played through Dylan Levitt, for instance, Dylan Levitt's passing the ball about. It wasn't a day for Dylan Levitt to pass the ball along the surface, but they showed that when they need to roll their sleeves up and dig out a result, they can do that. And suddenly they've got a quarter-final coming up against Celtic. Um, very, very difficult. But you're looking at it and now thinking, if they can string together the results that they're, they're getting, they can make a real push for European football and they can enjoy their cup. So it's looking quite positive. I know I've been positive all through their, their poor sides, but that's four clean sheets in a row for Dundee United as well. So there's there's some positive stats coming out here all the time. So I had to wait for that stat, but I knew it was coming. <laughs> you wrote it in the notes. I was going to steal it, but I'm nice. It's funny, I just, it was just you mentioning Ian McCall saying uh, Partick were much better than United on the day. I remember Ian from his spell at, uh, at United, and I always used to think, United has unfortunately happened a couple of times. United would lose uh, by a few goals, and he would say, oh, well, we're much better, well, we're much better. But they could win four or five, nothing, and he would come out and say, whoa, that game could have gone either way. And I always, I always thought he never quite got the balance right either way. When he won, when he won, when he won, he didn't seem to want to take any credit for it. And I was like, oh, that, that's not the best thing. But it's, it's good to see he hasn't changed. But bear it is, it's... Uh, Again, credit to Tam Courts. He seems to have a cool head, and he—it's he, actually if you watch his interviews, it's hard to tell. Um, you know, are United on a good run just now? Are United on a bad run just now? And maybe that's that's the way to be as a manager. Yeah, yeah. He's he's quickly becoming one of the longest serving managers in the Premiership. Time, isn't he? What's the way things are going here? <laughs> Who would have thought that? Who would have thought that at the start of the season? But. Uh, I like Tom Courts. I mean, he, apart from being a manager of Dundee United, I've got to say, but in that capacity. But I think he comes out, I mean, I've never spoken to the lad. You've spoken to him, you and you, you got on really well. He comes across as very knowledgeable about the game. He speaks a lot of sense when he talks. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. And I think his, his team's actually reflecting that. He's got great faith in the way he sets his team out. And I think it, it goes back, as I've said, it goes back to the training ground, the work that he's putting in on the training ground. He trusts that that can be taken out of the park and mirrored on the park, and whoever plays in any position can do that sort of job. You obviously need moments of brilliance, like we saw on Saturday from Ian Hart, who thinks is as as a, a real, real good player. A real a, more of him later. Bear more of him later. Yeah. Okay. We'll not we'll not go into that. I've got to say, I, I feel sorry for both teams having to play on that pitch. I feel sorry for Patrick Thistle having to play on, on that pitch on a regular basis. You know because. It was just it could have been it could have been drumgeath two time they were they were kicking about on. But when it's a pitch like that and it's a cup tie, the main thing is you get through and United did that. They didn't give much away, I've got to say defensively they were pretty solid. They created some decent chances themselves and they've got the top goalkeeper who when he's got when he's asked to produce a save, he does it week in, week out, and comes away with another clean sheet. And that's how you win games and that's how you win cup ties. So fair play for United. It was a tough one to get through. I accept I, I, Ian McCall. I think you had a point saying Partick were a dominant team, but I don't really think they created too many clear Coltons. They might have got a goal, but I don't think they would have, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to win the game. You know, whether that would have went to penalties or not, but I would have expected, if Partick had got a goal, you would have expected United to raise their game again. Yeah. You know, and uh, Partick didn't get the goal, so it's United that go into the heart for the last eight. Yeah, one thing I'd probably point out, there's a couple of things, I've spoken to Tam over the course of the season, there's a couple of points that I think are really positive as a, as a manager. The first one is, clearly from speaking to all the players, I've spoken to a lot of Dun United players this season, he is a good man manager. The players have nothing but uh, praise, 
respect. And this is players that are maybe not even playing week in, week out. I mean, I, I did an interview with Mark Reynolds, and Mark Reynolds had basically barely played a game for Tam Courts, and he had nothing but admiration and respect for Tam Courts as a manager and as a man. And I think he clearly works hard at, at building positive relationships with players, even if they're not going to be part of his plans, which is which is conducive to, to creating a happy atmosphere within a, a dressing room and then that can then translate onto the park. The other thing about him is I think he's a manager that, he, he, I mean, he's, he's obviously managed for Kel, at Kelty Hearts before, so he had experience. He's not, it's not his first job as a manager, but it is his first job at this level as management. And he's a manager who he, he himself would admit he's still learning the trade, but he put he's meticulous in his planning. Uh, he did a an interview um, a few months ago and it was for coaches in, in North America and he was very open and explicit about his coaching methods and he showed a spreadsheet of the Dundee United players and he has got information on each individual Dundee United player, where they're at now, where he anticipates they will be, what their areas for growth are and he studies that meticulously. So he does implement a lot of homework that he does into to make the side. He learns, he's learning, I can see him learning in interviews. He's becoming more and more confident, more and more composed when he does media interviews. I mean, I think that he had, he came in for a little bit of criticism or from some supporters because of some of the terminology he was using in interviews, but I find him to be very straight talking. If you ask him a question, he will give you an answer. So I think that level of directness and honesty has is helping him create a good atmosphere in the club. On that point, you I mean, it's a mo- it's a modern game, and I mean, I, I, I'm guilty of it at times. Going, oh, just get out there, and when you see our notebooks, you know, and you go, ah, oh, just just <laughs> shout at them now. Don't wait till half time and all that. But I, mean, I was watching the Champions League game with Liverpool and Inter Milan, and the commentator. Uh, mentioned that the Milan technical staff were sitting in the row in front of them and it was a row of screens and they were on the phone saying, oh, this is the area of pitch and that and they were pointing things out and replaying things during the game. It is, I mean, it's a it's a very professional business now. And I mean, since it's you, Ewan, uh, to, to, to combine both your current loves, I always, laugh with, I always laugh when I hear Dick Campbell interviewed because I would bet my house that he is a lot more detailed than he pretends to be at times because he sees things, he does things, he knows things, he, he watches the game properly, his coaches watch the game properly. But there, there is still that wee thing, especially with a young manager, it's like, oh, oh, who do you think he is? It's all scientific and stuff like that. But, I mean, it's the way to go. It's the way clubs like Liverpool and Manchester City get success. Yeah, yeah, as and, and, and I mean... Let's not do him a disservice as well. He's not. He's not. I mean, I think we we saw Ian Caffrey got a lot of criticism when he first came on the scene as manager, and he was like labelled a laptop manager and things like that. And, and and that was probably in a different era. Probably now he would get he would get more respect now. But I don't think Tam Course is quite at that level. He's still he's still a hands on manager when you see him at, at games. And I mean, we saw earlier in the season, rightly or wrongly, how how passionately he backed up Jando Fuchs when he felt when when there was accusations of racist chants um, towards Andrew Fuchs. He was very passionate. He was on the pitch. He backs his players. And I think when players know that the manager's got their back, yeah. they will give that extra 5 10% on the pitch. He is still learning. I mean, I've watched him this season. At the start of the season with a 4-3-3 formation, it, was, it looked to be working very, very well. Then they went on a very poor spell. And then I've watched over the last five or six games, and he has tinkered with the side. He's brought players in. He's, he's tried different formations. He now seems to have found another formation which can work for him, which sees Tony Watt partnering Mark McNulty or Nicky Clark if Nicky Clark comes on to it, um, up front in a more 3 5 2 system. And that seems to be working very well for them. It seems to be striking the right balance between having a very secure defence, as I've pointed out, they've, they've not lost a, a goal in four games, but also having a side that's a bit more attack minded and is, and is able to unlock defences. And I think that's the key. We spoke about it earlier. Oh, he's, Tam's away, he's obviously fed up listening to my nonsense <laughs> but, um, that's the key to Dundee United's success it's goal, Dundee United need goals um, because their defence, they've got some fantastic defenders, they've got I would argue some of their defenders are right up there with the best in the country this season um, but they need goals and I think that the system he's played in the last few games allows them to unlock defences a bit more. You mentioned key to success there, and Bear mentioned a name that I, I abruptly interrupted him because I was going to come to this. Uh, 
it strikes me. We've never criticised this lad, and we've mentioned him fav- favourably a couple of times, but if you were to list the players we've praised at United, it would probably be Seagrist, Levitt, uh, Charlie Mulgrew, Giando Fuchs while he was there. Is it time we started getting a big trumpet out for Ian Harks? March winner at the weekend at Partick. I I think so, and I think I think he's I think he's he's been at Dundee United a few years now, and I think he's had a an up and down time with the supporters in terms of what the supporters think. But I think the supporters are are becoming more and more appreciative of what Ian Harks can bring to that midfield. Um, as I pointed out in my notes, so you'll have seen that he scored four goals this season. I wrote it down myself. No, he scored four goals this season, seven points of the van, and a Scottish Cup <laughs> quarter final place. Come up with your own stats, <laughs> oh, son. Sorry, Willie. Yeah, he has done. Oh, you, you take my on my role of start <laughs> man here. That's the first I've I, ever done any. I'm going to get. I'm going to get sacked in a minute. I've never done any research in my life before. I'm proud of myself. Yeah, but but they are they are crucial <laughs> goals. It, it shows how valuable he is. Yeah, they are crucial goals. Yeah, I mean, the goal. Let's let's to score a winning goal in a derby. You're always going to. You're always going to curry favour with the supporters after doing something like that, and all these goals are good goals as well. You know, he's, he scored that goal. He's, he's it was a half volley against Aberdeen. He scored. Um, it was a great cross into the box by Niskanen, and, and he got on the end of it at Celtic Park, and it was an absolute rocket of a strike against Partick Thistle. So they're all good goals, but I think he brings so much more to that. I mean, that's his highest goal scoring tally, as I jokingly pointed out to him on Saturday and he wasn't too chuffed with me for pointing that out but that's his highest goal scoring tally for Dundee United so he's not an out and out goal scorer but he brings so much more to that that team in that midfield and I think the addition of Kevin McDonald we spoke about this before has bring bring a calmness and an assurance to that midfield that maybe allows Ian Hearts to be more free with his play and maybe venture forward more um, and he's out of contract in the summer as is Benji Seagrist and um, I spoke to the sporting director Tony Asker, and he did point out whilst it's going to be difficult to hold these two, keep on to these two players, Dundee United are still in the mix and they are still in negotiations with them. Um, I think the Dundee United fans would really like Ian Harks to stay now, and that's a transformation from maybe where some of them felt maybe a year ago or wherever they, they weren't so sure about what he was bringing, but he's bringing a lot to the table now. Yeah, Bear has been, as you said, it'd be great if Seagrist and Hearts both stayed, but given Seagrist's level of performance, Bear, is there almost an argument for Tony Ashgar focusing more on Hearts because he might be the one he's able to keep? Yeah, I think that. I think Benjamin Seagrist, I think the only chance you've got Benjamin Seagrist staying is, is if United can, can claw their way into a European spot. And he might, that might be a carrot for him to go and play in the Europa League um, which is something he might not get offered if he goes down south to England and you know and, and almost certainly won't get offered if he's, if he's going to the Championship or something like that if he's looking to raise his profile that might be the route for him um, because he's been he's been first class uh, as for Harks yep yeah, I think you're absolutely right there, there may be an opportunity for Harks I think Ian Harks he's you know he the more I see him, the more I like him. You and you're right. You know, he, he has he, he, a midfielder who can get a few goals, and and the are the are really the goal against Park was technically brilliant. You know, because that ball, the ball isn't actually coming out to him; it's coming across his body, and he and he and he hits it and drives it in the net. And we've seen him do that on, as you say, on a, on a, on a few occasions this season. Only thing I would say about Ian Hart is he sometimes drifts in and out of games, from what I see. You know, I think if he could raise raise his sort of level of involvement in games he becomes a real real top player but there's no doubt that you know I think United you know should be pushing the boat out to, to keep him because he's valuable a valuable valuable player because he's a boy he's a midfielder who doesn't just go across the park he goes up and down the park as well Tom and they're few and far between in Scottish football midfielders who can go box to box and like to get shots in at goal he can pass the ball well so yeah he could be a real viable player for United I just wonder if Ian Hart Ian Hart seems to me as a, a guy who's got his career mapped out though Tom he seems to me as though he's a boy. I've come to yes. Scotland. I'm going to play in Scotland for a few years. I'd like to go and try and play in France yeah. or play here or play in, in, in Asia. That's all that, always that thing. Once you've moved your country, you'll move again. There's also, a, he, I believe, he's, his wife, sir. Is his wife at Celtic? He plays for Celtic, yeah. Wife's a professional player as well. So there might be, there might be a family plan there that actually is based purely on football. 
and uh, that could see him move on. He has, of course, he's got local connections. His granddad was brought up just over the over the road from the George Fox stand, uh, which is so it's. We're claiming him as a local boy made <laughs> Absolutely. good. But, and, I, and I must admit, when I first saw him in the championship, when he first arrived, the, the thing that struck me, I liked his game intelligence. I just wondered if he could make the step up to the Premier League and he's, he's proved my doubts stupid, uh, to be quite frank. Because, I mean, yes, and, and like you say, Bear, when, he, when he's in that box-to-box move, he looks. He, he looks a player that's you know worth having and worth working on. Well, there's none of guys in Scottish football that like to score goals from midfield. I think we've lost the knack of midfielders scoring goals. I want to pass the ball left and pass the ball right, and they get in front of eighteen yard line to pass it right. Have you done a shoot? You done a score? I always remember. I go back to the time when when Archie Knox was building a team at Dens Park, and he brought in two quality signings. You and he brought in John Brown from Hamilton Ackes. And he brought in Robert Connor from Air United. Now, Robert Connor played half the games. Uh, sorry, John Brown played half the games that Robert Connor did. Robert Connor got one goal because that's the sort of player Robert Connor was. A, a brilliant player. Went on and played for Scotland. Quality player. John Brown played half the games. But John Brown must have scored double figures every season for Dundee, at least sometimes pushing up to 15, 16 goals. Because when John Brown got the ball and went forward, you knew it was ending up by a, a drive at the goal. And we seem to have lost that in Scottish football. That sort of midfielder. It's more... Get it, pass it. You know, I'm a big advocate for trying to get the ball wide, but you've got to have a, a mix in your team as well. Somebody's wanting to have a pot, and that's where I think Ian Harks, he's got that in his locker. He's got, and it's a great thing to have. And here, when he shoots, he, as you can see, he can strike a ball, and he's got a few goals off the back of it this season. And he could be a big player this weekend as United try to do a home double over Rangers. You, I'm Mr. Positivity, but it's going to be very, very tough against Rangers. And, no, missed. But then possibly when they played Rangers earlier in the season, it looked even more of an unachievable task against Rangers because they'd come in off the back of a, a very poor defeat up at Aberdeen and people were questioning whether Tam Courts was the right appointment already. Um, at that stage and then he just pulled it out of the bag and Dun United performed really really well that day and they got the win Jamie Robson's not there of course the goal scoring hero um, that was his last act as Dun United player so it's not a bad way to go out as Dun United <laughs> player to score the winning goal against Rangers um, but they'll have a chance they will have a chance but Rangers have got the bit between their teeth because they know that they're in a real title battle with Celtic there's only a point between them um, Rangers have responded very, very well from losing the old firm game, um, and they've they've really put the pressure on Celtic. So that's what you're up against on Sunday. Um, it's going to be a difficult, difficult day for Dun United. But as I'm pointed out with the defense, that we can't underplay how well the defense is playing at the moment, and if they can keep it tight at the back and they can show a little bit of adventure going forward at the right times, then maybe they can get a result. Yeah, and of course the two teams will swap old firm opponents for the Scottish Cup quarterfinals. Is that disappointing, Bear, that they've, they've been drawn against them? Or uh, do you take that attitude, you're going to have to beat one of them at one point to win the club if you're going to win the cup? I think everybody everybody would agree you're wanting to get your way to the final, avoiding the old firm if you can. And hopefully somebody, somebody does you a favour and... You know, puts one of them out. But at the end of the day, normally in, in the Scottish Cup, if you're going to win the competition, you're going to have to take one one of these one old firm on somewhere down the line. So the good thing was they were, they were both drawn at home. I think that gives you an advantage. And I think nowadays as well, Tom, the Scottish Cup is a one-off. There's no replays, so the game's got to be decided on the day. So even if you take it to penalties, then it's anybody's game. So it, it's 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 mm-hmm. it's a, it's going to be tough. But here, it's set up for, for good games. I mean, we've seen, obviously, unfortunately, United have played better against Celtic at, at Parkhead this season than the have at Tannadice. Dundee gave Rangers a run for their, their, their money uh, at Dens when they were denied, uh, when John McLaughlin should have been red-carded for chopping down Paul McMullen and you know, Jason Cummins did his best to make a mess of the penalty kick, I've got to say. But, <laughs> no, they're in the home... Home ties. Home ties is all you can ask for. I mean, and, and you take it on. It's on the day, Tom. It's on the day. I was just going to say, with the, the, the league race, if it's still as tight when these ties come around, 
that could be a distraction for the old firm. Yeah, it could be. It could be because, I mean, the, the priorities, uh, like it or not, for Celtic Rangers are winning the league. It's not winning the Scottish Cup. You looked at me there like I was clutching at straws in that arm. I was going to actually say that, in some respects, you could suggest, well, the, the, an old Dundee final still on, you know, because the sides have been kept separate, you know. So, <laughs> I mean, you can look at it that way. You could look at it, it could be an old Edinburgh final because Hearts and Hibs have been separated and Celtic and Rangers have been separated. Like, I mean... It's not impossible that it could be an old Dundee final. Okay, that's it's going to be very difficult, but it's not impossible because they're not playing against each other. But it's going to be a very tough task. There's no doubt about that. Um, and the point that bears making about the, the game not going to replay is a very valid one because I think beating these sides over the course of two games is very, very difficult. But it is possible if you have a very good game and circumstances go your way that you can take them in 90 minutes. Or you can take them in 120 minutes, so you can take them in the penalties. But going to a replay, it's often very difficult to put a side like Celtic or Rangers out over two games. Um, the fact that they're at home as well, it's something for them to be excited about. For Dundee United, if they continue their run of form, then they will go in. They will go in in a very good position. Dundee, it could be a distraction from where they are in the league. So it's it'll be a good weekend for the city, um, and let's hope that both our city clubs get through. I was just just going back to Monday night, Tom, and I, I couldn't make it up on Monday night. I was working. I watched it on TV. I was watching the draw being made, and obviously there's Dundee fans. You were working and you watched yeah, it on TV. I know, but in my tea break. You think you, in my tea break, that's like, a leaf out of my book. Like you, to, you used to tell me off for that kind of thing. <laughs> I'd like to point out to my employers I was having a tea break at the time, and the, the draw was being made anyway, and yeah, I came out Dundee United against. Celtic and you heard the Dundee <laughs> fans in the background and they were all jumping up and doing and cheering hey, and Dundee against yeah Dundee against Rangers all you heard was oh <laughs> that wiped the smile off their faces very quickly but home ties you've got, that's all you can ask for in the cup <laughs> great stuff also. I have to say I think we, we discussed a lot of serious and varied topics this week but I'm guessing now that anyone who listens, the one thing they'll comment on is, did that boy say an old Dundee final? <laughs> is he mad? If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tannadice or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.